Who is Jesus? It is funny. I want to do that in Fenton sometime. Just to have, uh, maybe we'll recruit Elliot and a couple other kids out there. It's got some, uh, some video experience. And, uh, and ask some, some really pointed questions, you know, some, and just get the take from, from other people. I think it's interesting uh, what they said, you know. Nobody really nailed it there, you know. But uh, I'm going to talk about servanthood today, you know, and Jesus being the ultimate servant. Um, I'm going to read a, a scripture to you guys. Uh, if you have uh, your Bibles, turn to Proverbs 27:18. And then I got a couple stories for you. My youth kids, they like my stories. So they're always kind of funny. Uh, and it doesn't involve Avery doing anything in the woods this time, so that's good. All right. So here's, here's Proverbs twenty-seven eighteen: He who tends a fig tree will eat its fruit. He who looks after his master will be honored. So, you know, it's a scripture that God's been really working on me, you know. Um, he's been uh, working it into me just so he can get it out of me. Um, and, you know, I, you know, I'd read this scripture, I don't know how many times. You know, I used to read uh, a proverb uh, chapter a day for years and years, you know. And I still do reflect back on that. But finally, this one really, really took, um, took a new meaning. And it happened on a baseball cleanup day. Uh, you know, our, my kids are in Little League in Linden, and there's 400 kids that attend, you know. So that's not including uh, coaches, right? It's not including adults. Now, they're not like the Dickerson family where there's like six kids, you know. So say the average is like two or three, you know. I mean, there's 400 kids there, so you have at least probably, you know, 1,200 people that are working this one thing, you know, or, or at least people that attend. So they have the Little League cleanup day, and they announce it, and I, I tell Avery and Riley that we're going, and we recruited Cade Bacon, too. And so we show up there, and it was a nasty day. This is two Saturdays ago. It was the day the Greens were doing their, uh, their cleanup outside or in the barn. Um, so we did this. So we show up, 37 degrees out. It's snowing. It's windy. The kids don't really want to go, you know. And be honest with you, I really didn't want to go. It was nasty, right? So my dad used to always tell me, he said, well, if you don't do it, who's going to do it? So that's what I thought. So I, so I get them all over there, you know, and um, we show up, and there, if there's 10 kids, I'm amazed, you know. And 30% of them were the kids that I brought, right? There's about, there's 10 or 15 adults, you know? So I, I figure we represented about 35% of the workforce, right? So we worked for uh, two hours, you know, pulling weeds, uh, straightening out the base paths, you know, the, the clay that needed to go down on the diamond and then the diamond dust that goes on top of that. We raked, uh, cleaned up leaves, you know, all... Everything that goes into it, and it was just—it was. Fr- I mean, we were in coats, gloves, you know, hats, not ball hats either, uh, fleece hats because it was cold, you know. And I love the questions that the kids were asking, Kate especially. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, he said these are. Fun. Why are we doing this? I heard that about ten times. 
dad, why are we doing this? Where is everyone else? That was probably my favorite because that's the one where I have to bite my tongue, right? I don't know. They all had stuff going on, you know. Uh, Dad, why us? Dad, why us? Or, Mr. D, can we leave yet? (laughs) That that was Cade's. And, of course, this is my favorite one. Are we done? Mr. D, can we be done? Dad, can we be done? I want to go to the playground. Dad, let's go. Come on. I'm cold. My hands. My hands. Do you want to go play catch? Sure. You know? (laughs) Well, then your hands aren't that cold. Come on. Let's keep working. So, anyways. So, by the end of it, end of the, the, the day, though, you know, we worked there for two solid hours, you know. And then God reminded me of that same scripture, you know. So, I'll read it again. He who tends a fig tree will eat its fruit. He who looks after his master will be honored. You know, the kids were, were tending their fig tree so they could play on the diamond. You know, except for Riley and Kate because they don't play ball. You know, they play soccer. So they were just along for the ride. You must have big ears, Pastor Pat. Can't, maybe I got little ears. I'd bet. Anyways. So, so, um, all right, so, you know, the connection that I finally made was, you know, the fig tree is Jesus. You know, the ball diamond is Jesus. You know, you have to tend it to bear the fruit. You have to work it. You know, on the ride over today, you know, I talked to, with Avery and Riley. We were just talking about kind words, you know, and I brought this scripture up to them, you know, and, you know, kind words tend your tree and the fruit's much bigger but if you have angry words what does the fruit look like and Avery says that big just little you know and, I, and he's right that's exactly what it is um, and Jesus calls us to tend the tree he does he calls us all to do that um, and his ministry clearly shows it you know, so when I see a video like the one I just showed on who is Jesus, you know, he's a servant. He's that same tree. So let's ju- we're going to jump into the Word now and um, read Matthew uh, 20, verses 26 and 28. And I'll let you guys get there for a second. I'll give you kind of what 24 and 25 kind of go over. You know, Jesus brings up a couple points here. He's talking about um, servanthood and what servanthood looked back then. And it mimics the same thing now. He's talking about um, how the, the Roman government lords their power over everyone, right? How they have this power that extends over and then they just crush people with it. You know, and if you're under that particular supervision... If you're up high, it's not so bad, but the lower and lower you get, the more crushed you are. And in 26 and 28, Jesus says, Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So God could have made himself into anything. Instead, he made himself into a man to walk the earth. You know, he was man and he was God all at the same time. So, you know, Paul, you know, wrap yourself around that one, right? I mean, how do you do it, right? 
So then he comes, and instead of coming in with his sword and his horse and conquering everybody, he says that he came to serve and not be served. So as Christians, you know, we're disciples of Christ, right? We're made to follow him, to live our life in a way to reflect him. Um, And I think God gives us opportunities to do that all the time. It's just we have to take advantage of those opportunities. You know, the, the world would have you believe one thing and God would have you believe something completely different. And I think that's really God's point. He wants to show us the difference between that. Um, in Matthew ten twenty four and 25, just the first part of 25, he says, A student isn't above his, pre, uh, above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It's enough for the student to be like the teacher and the servant like his master. So I don't know about you guys, but at times, you know, I put myself above God. You know, it's my way or the highway. I elevate myself past him instead of being like him. You know, and when I do that, I I distort not only God's word, but I I distort my ability to, to win people to Christ because they see me say one thing and maybe do another, you know. We are always talking with our kids about how our actions speak so much louder than our words. And it really rings true. I mean, it, it really does. And you fathers especially, you know, not only do your boys want to be like you, but your girls are going to want to marry somebody just like you. And if you're like me, I mean, sometimes that's kind of a crushing thought. But the cool thing is God gives us the chance of redemption every single day, every minute of every day. You can have that redeeming power, you know, that, that Christ gives us. So um, if we're disciples, we're called to, to follow him, to worship him, to be like him, to live our life in a way like him, to fashion our lives like him and after him. Um, I think we can't lose, leave, or lose sight of that. So talking about servanthood, I want to tell you that I really think that our church does a great job with serving. You know, I've been to a couple different churches, and some of you guys have, may have heard this if you've been around a church at any given time, that like out of 1,000 people, 10% do 90% of the work, right? And that really rings true. Now, if that happened with this church, we wouldn't be much of a church anymore because <laughs> we're pretty small, right? And it's great because so many people here give and serve, and it's just an awesome thing. It's really, I mean, I'm telling you, the numbers for us, instead of the 10%, we're like, we're almost flip-flopped. I mean, and it's, it's really encouraging. Paul talks about it, and he says uh, when he sees that, it enlightens him. You know, and I think that's great because you can reach out and you, you can see everybody around you and see the things that they do and how they encourage it. Um, but in saying that, it's a bummer when you see it the other way. So I had a friend of mine. He called me and said, "Hey, you know, I, I need to meet with you." I said, "Sure, you know." So I met with him, and um, you know, he wanted me to counsel him on on a problem that he had, and he was. Uh, you know, he was at a meeting, and he had like 80 or 90 guys, you know, there. 
And he said he was talking about servanthood, you know. And it was the same sort of thing. The same 10 guys, though, were helping out at every lawn cleanup, grass cutting. Uh, anybody elderly or a single mom had a leaky pipe or, you know, electrical that wasn't working or whatever it was, carpentry that needed to be done. The same group of 10 guys would go, whether it was a function that needed to be done or a service to the community, these same eight to 10 guys every time. And I don't know about you guys, but, you know, after a while that kind of wears you out and it takes the fun out of serving when it's always you. But if you're like me, that just means that I press on and then I make up for the people that don't serve. And then what ends up happening is it ends up hurting my wife in particular. (laughs) You know, that's just my case. Uh, And you know what they say, when mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy, right? Yeah, so I always try to keep my mama happy. Yeah, Barry knows what I'm talking about there. So anyway, so, so, but before I could get finished, if you can imagine, like if one of you guys just jumped up and said, that's it, Chris, no more from you today, you know? Well, that's what happened. He, a guy jumps up and he says, hey, he says, I think you're yoking us all unequally here. He says, he says, you're making us all feel guilty about not serving. He says, my spirit says that, you know, I'm not called to do that. And maybe the rest of us here aren't called to do that. Maybe it's just the same 10 guys that are supposed to be there every week. That's what I said. <laughs> if you knew this dude too, he ain't exactly a calm guy, but he calmly, he stepped back. And, uh, and ended the conversation. And I would be willing to say that there was a spirit that was talking to that boy. <laughs> I don't think it was the Holy Spirit, though. Yeah, that's what I said, too. So he calls me, you know, um, and he asked me about it. And I thought, wow, you know. And I said, well, what happened after that? He said, so I'm leaving, and it's got, I got all this in my head, you know. And he takes two steps out the door, and there the guy is wanting to have a private conversation now about it, you know? (laughs) And he's like, we already had a public conversation. It was one-sided, but... So uh, so he he goes in on the same thing, and finally he he says that he has to go, that he'll talk to him about it another day. They needed to collect his thoughts. So he gave me a shout, you know, asked me to meet with him. And, uh, you know, I... A couple of points there. I don't think what he was real. I don't even think he realized what he was saying. But he was saying this. He says, "I'm not going to serve because that's m- not my calling." So I'm going to give you guys a great example uh, for Kristen and I. We love kids. We got tons of them, almost as many as the Greens. And the Taylors are catching up really quick, you know. So we got six of them, you know, about every age range you could have to high and low. We got them all. Um, and we love your kids, too. We just don't necessarily like teaching your kids, like little ones. You guys don't count. I like you guys. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so so like, like the small kids, you know. I mean, everybody, everybody's different, you know. So anyway, so last uh, period or whatever, when the nursery needed help, you know, I told Chris and I said, I, we're going to do that. Now, is that my calling? No, that's not my calling. My calling is to raise my family. I know that for sure. 
But it wasn't about a calling. It was about serving. It was about giving, you know, three months, four months, whatever it was. Kristen would say eternity. <laughs> the Alpha and the Omega. She just couldn't see the Omega. She just saw the beginning and not the end of the, end of the dealio, you know. But we did it, you know. And <laughs> the last day, Kristen's like, yes. I'm like, what's the matter? She goes, it was the last Sunday. And I'm like, wow, you know. But, but she, I mean, you would have never known it when she was in there with the kids. You know, she never let it get in the way. Um, so her calling is much different than her service, you know. I think about Chelsea, my daughter, you know. As a vocalist, she's called to do that. Uh, April is an artist. You know, you're called to draw. And so many more of you guys are called to do lots of different things. But when we do the food bank, we have 30 people that show up to serve which is awesome. And I, my calling is not necessarily to stack bread. <laughs> you know, It's really fun, though, to stack bread with you guys, you know. I mean, especially that little Molina girl, Rosie. That girl, man, if, you, if she sees you going for a loaf of bread, she's going to grab it out of your hand. So it is, it's great, though, because you really get to interact. But it's the service part, you know. It's being a servant. And, that, and, and that's what he calls us to do. I put a note down here. It says, it's about sacrificing your comfort for others. You know, and, and my buddy, that was really what it was about. You know, the guy that was questioning the guilt, and the yoke, didn't want to get out of his comfort zone. And I think that, that guy is definitely called. You know, he gets words of knowledge from God all the time, you know. If you're dead inside or whatever that is or you're, you're not complete or I don't know what it is, you know. If the word's not alive and you're not, your actions aren't showing it, it's just, it's just empty. It doesn't mean anything. It makes your walk, I don't know what it makes your walk. It just makes it some, something different than what Jesus' walk was. Because his walk, he could see it. Every action that he took. Half man, half God, all God, all man. I don't know. But you could see it. You could see it on him. And I think that's probably the thing that we really need to make sure that we do as a church is we need to make sure that we guard ourselves against that. You know? I mean, we've already got, if some steps, or if some churches have one step forward in servanthood, I think we got about 28 steps. You know, we got a big head start. But being complacent is something that's really easy to do. Being, uh, having it comfortable at the food bank. Because it's an easy way to serve, you know. But stepping out. And then the other thing is not letting these four walls contain the serving. So we just can't serve here. That's why we did the ball field. I mean, I, I would have rather had hung out with the greens and all the kids, you know, and, and goofed around because, you know, the laughs would have been great. We would have had just a ball, you know, but instead we carried it out, you know, even if it's just to show our face, to show people that we care. That's really what it's about is our neighbors need to see that. They need to see us make that next step. So um, 
So I'm going to share the scripture, though, that, uh, that God led me to give to my buddy. And I think it's a really important one. It's in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 3 through 10. And you guys can get rolling. Yeah. Pat, you too. Okay. Guys there? Here we go. Uh, chapter 6, 3 through 10. All right. We put no stumbling block in anyone's path. That's a big deal. So that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants, that's the key word right there, servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way. In great endurance, in troubles and hardships and distresses. You know, I, I read this scripture, I don't know how many times, you know, and I'm reading it. And uh, it, this, is, this one really hits home. So in troubles and hardships and distresses and beatings and imprisonments and riots and hard work, sleepless nights and hunger and purity, understanding, patience and kindness and the Holy Spirit and sincere love in truthful speech and in the power of God with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left hand through glory and dishonor you know, God's telling us that we're serving through glory and dishonor. Bad report and good report, you're still serving. Genuine yet regarded as imposters. Known yet regarded as unknown. Dying and yet we live on. Beaten and yet not killed. Sorrowful yet always rejoicing. Poor yet making many rich. That's my favorite one having nothing and possessing everything. You know, to serve, it's got to be uncomfortable. And to serve, sometimes it takes a lot of tearing down. Sometimes it takes a sickness. Sometimes it just takes a tragedy. You know, it takes things that you just question God about, like autism and stuff, you know. I don't get it, you know, but I can tell you that we serve a God that tells us that these things are going to happen, but loves us and gives us the hope that we all need, you know. And he says if we would just serve him, just serve God, that's all we got to do. I had a friend that reminded me of that um, when I was down in Mexico you know, about my actions, about, and I fully encompassed everything that that scripture just said from the, um, the patience and the understanding and the kindness to the, uh, let's see here, uh, yeah, the bad report, that would be a good one that I did, uh, dishonoring, yeah, I did that one, uh, yeah, the beating, you know, it says beaten, but pretty much I was doing the beating, um, so I'll tell you the story, so I'm in Mexico, and this will give you a smile on your face, I'm sure. Who's been to Mexico? Anybody? All right, all right. Anybody did any mission work in Mexico? All right, very good. Uh, anybody flush any toilet paper down the toilet in Mexico? Okay, all you guys aren't supposed to do that, right? Because their plumbing really stinks there. And I almost said the other word, Kristen, but I did not if she's here. So 
Um, it's really bad. So they have a bucket next to every toilet, right? So number two goes in the toilet, obviously. The rest goes in this bucket, and it's right next to the toilet. And all you guys that haven't been there don't know what a joy it is to have this bucket, like right next to your leg. And all, you can't think anything else but the bucket. So it's no fun, right? Anyways, so, I mean, I am working my tail off. I mean, we're, we've, been, we've probably worked for four or five days there already. You know, you're working 14 hours a day. It's 90 degrees, you know. And I was, I think I was, I was blocking a couple big walls, you know. So, you know, that was something in itself. So at the end of the day, all you can think about is getting a shower. Well, in Mexico, you know, the water goes in and out. Electric goes in and out, you know. So I waited for like four hours to take a shower, and I get in there, and I turn it on, and it's literally dripping. took me a half hour to take a shower. And I was the last one. I'm like, man. So I finally get my shower, you know, and I head upstairs, and we've got like this uh, big area that looks over top of the congregation, and, and we cleaned it up, and there were four or five of us, you know, there. And, and we, that's where we were staying. So... Um, so I have to go to his bathroom. So I walk down. And there's only there's two bathrooms. And both are being used. So I'm sitting there. And you know, in Mexico, you know, sometimes, you know, you just gotta go. So I'm waiting, waiting patiently, and the and the thing opens up, you know, I'm like, praise God. And I look in, and there's that bucket. And it is full. It's so full that it's heaping over and stuff's falling out, right? Now, this just didn't happen once or twice. This happened like two or three times, right? And I've been the guy that's had to clean it up. I ain't cleaning it up again, right? So this is where I missed the mark. So now, anger takes over. And I got this, this young adult, you know, right in front of me. And he's lined up, and he's got a bullseye right on him. I'm like, all right, you come here. He's <laughs> like, I am not cleaning that up. And I just started tearing him down, you know. And he served because I made him, you know. And he cleaned it up because I wasn't going in until it was done. And then he left. And all I heard, I heard this. I'm like, what the heck? And I look up and I can see Mike Pickover. Anybody know Pickover? Oh, yeah. Mike Pickover is standing there and he's slapping the windowsill with the door open. He's like, ah. And I look at him and I'm like, uh, I'm like, what's up, Mike? He goes, I was just wondering, Chris, are you tearing down or building up? <laughs> then he shut the window. <laughs> so that was, uh, that has stuck with me. I will always remember the time of day or always remember the city I was in. I always remember the kid that I tore down. I always remember how humiliating I felt, see, Pickover didn't have me feel guilty about it. That wasn't his intent, was to throw a yoke over my shoulders and say, this is just out of guilt. He just pointed out what I was missing. I don't hold anything against Pick for doing what he did. I mean, he brought something to light that I didn't even realize that I was doing. Because I felt good after he was cleaning it all up, you know, carrying it all off. I thought, finally, I got somebody to do something that I needed them to do. 
But that wasn't what it was about, you know. So it was a great lesson learned. And those are the times that you have to, have to a teaching moment is what we call it at our house. You have teaching moments all the time. We had one out, out here earlier today. So anyways, so, um, you know, the serving. How many of you guys know, though, that the serving part really goes on like this, though? It's not just for believers, right? It's not just for marriages. I mean, just think of how much better your marriage would be if you guys served each other like Christ served you. You know, man. How about your friendships? Just had one of those where, you know, I had to be called out on something from one of my friends, you know, and I'm like, man, thank God for friends like that, that, you know, I mean, I'm a tough guy, so I just do what I do, you know, and to have somebody tell me something other than what I thought I was doing, you know, is completely different. But it's that, it's, he, I forgot that I was, I needed to serve my friend, how he desires to be served, you know. It's kind of like the whole love language thing. So, in saying that, you know, I want to read uh, one more scripture. Yeah. And uh, it's the most important one. I think it's a dramatic one. I think it's one of the most important one. It's red letter scripture, you know, right from Jesus. Um, and it involves a a washer and a wash e. So where is my wife? <laughs> All right. So before I read, you know what? I'm going to read the scripture right now. Here she is right now. So I am going to read the scripture while this is going on. But before that, I'm going to say one thing. Jesus said that we needed to do three things, right? He said, do three things in remembrance of me. One of them was baptizing, right? In Jesus' name. The other one is remember the meal that I shared with you. And the third one is wash one another's feet. It doesn't say wash your feet. One another's feet, right? Most churches in some regards do the first two pretty well. But the third one is really kind of forgotten. So I'm going to read the scripture and you guys can just start. It was just before the Passover feast and Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. And Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal. Now here's God on earth. He's going to do a wonderful, glorious thing. Something that nobody else could do. And he does something that nobody would have ever thought of doing. So he got up from the meal and he took off his outer clothing. So back then, you know, a robe was everything. That's what kept them warm. They didn't walk around with sleeping bags, you know. If they had to crash in a, on the side of a hill somewhere, it was the robe that kept them warm. So he takes off his robe. 
and he wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. And he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. And Jesus says, no, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. And then the then Lord said, Simon Peter, not just my feet, but my hands and my feet my head as well. And Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean and you are clean, though not everyone, though not every one of you here. So think about it here. You guys, foot washing back then. If you were a master, you couldn't even have a Jewish slave wash your feet was regarded as vile. It was regarded as disgracing, degrading. Um, it was the lowest of the low. And you think about the transportation back then. I mean, if you weren't walking, I mean, you had donkeys and horses. And the same roads that they would do their business on were the same ones that you were walking on. So at the end of the day, you could imagine what your feet would look like. I mean, I got boys. I can tell you what feet look like at the end of the day. And a lot of those you don't ever want to go near, right? I think it's important to realize that foot washing is humbling. It's intimate. You know, I mean, not everybody has pretty feet like Teresa. But really... Jesus assumes the lowest role, lower than a slave, and he washed every one of your feet. And then Peter sees it and he says, no, you will not wash my feet. Because he knew what the social order said about that. There's a great quote here from a just an author that I read, uh, M. Scott Peck, and he said, until that moment, the whole point of things had been for somebody to get on top. And once he'd gotten on top, stay on top, or else attempt to get further up. But here's this man, you know, Jesus, who was already on top. He was already a rabbi. He was a teacher. He was a master. And he suddenly got down on the bottom and began to wash the feet of his followers followers. In that one act, Jesus symbolically overturned the whole social order. It's easy to wash a king's feet. But think about somebody that you struggle with. Think about somebody that, you know, you've wronged her, you felt like you've been wronged by. It's great when you can wash somebody's feet that's a friend. I think foot washing breaks down barriers and walls. I mean, it, you have to kneel to foot wash, don't you? And then the foot wash E has to sit and be a vessel that's open to it. You know, so God calls us to be servants, and He gives us that example. 
would say that uh, that it's so often overlooked. So I think we need to strive to be foot washers. You know, we need to strive to be servants, but not just in this church. short of me being flogged and beaten 
outfit on and having my beard plucked out of my face and having that crown jammed into my scalp. If there's any way that your objective can be accomplished without the spikes being driven through my wrist and my feet, Lord, let this cup pass from me, but not mine, but your will be done. Just like a little kid, just like a little kid pretends I'd sit there and I pretend. 